0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So this morning I want to talk to you about resistance. We are actually in a really beautiful season here at The Well. And God is doing beautiful things. Um, It's just been His, His presence is so... Tangible and His outpouring is so real, and and the number of things that we're seeing take place, the open heaven that is over this house has just been incredible. But the thing is, is that anytime that the kingdom is trying to advance, there's always resistance, and uh, and so I want to talk to you about that this morning because um, we are having incredible things happen in His presence and um, within our family, you guys individually things that are happening in your life, and then as well as corporately when we come together. And so I just, um, I just looked up... I want to say this one more time. There is always resistance where God is moving. Okay? So if you're taking notes, that's a good statement to write down. All right, so I looked up the definition of resistance because why would I not? And so uh, resistance means... The refusal to accept or comply with something. The second half of that says the attempt to prevent something by action or argument. And I feel like that second part is probably, well, you know, you could be in the camp of the first one, or you could be um, in the camp of the second one. You may feel like the resistance that you're experiencing is your refusal to move, Or you could feel like the resistance that you're experiencing is due to some sort of opposite reaction that you're experiencing resistance. So there's a couple of options there. Does anybody in here work out? Yeah. (laughs) I always say I'm on the Holy Ghost workout. So I worship hard and praise him hard, passionately. Okay, so if you've ever heard of resistance training, anybody ever heard of resistance training? Yeah, so resistance training is when you lift weights. So I actually went to a website called verywellfit.com, and this is what they say resistance training is. It's any exercise where you push, pull, or otherwise try to work against some type of resistance. This can be considered resistance or strength training. Also sometimes called weightlifting or weight training. So what is resistance? Resistance is any force that makes the movement harder to perform. Okay? Anybody do? Well, I just asked y'all, none of y'all work out. So I'm like, oh, this question's going to be tough. So that's if you do push-ups or planks. Have, has anyone worked out? Maybe not regularly. <laughs> but you have worked out. And maybe planks are the worst things ever right? They're terrible. You get down on the floor. Anybody want to? I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Planks, sit-ups. What happens when you do sit-ups? It works your core, right? It works all these muscles here, that resistance, the tightening of those muscles. Um, When you lift weights, that you're lifting a weight that's heavy. Why do you do that? You do that to build muscle, right? Uh, There's a really great benefit from working out that I always really like. You'd think I'd work out more because I do really like it, is that I feel strong when I've worked out. When I've done some resistance training and I've built up some muscles, it makes me feel strong. And it makes me feel like I can almost breathe better, like I'm more confident because I've done some resistance training, okay? Okay, in its simplest form, resistance can be provided by moving your body against gravity. For some of us, that's just getting up sometime, right? Can I get an amen? (laughs) As when doing push-ups or planks, it can also be achieved via using weighted dumbbells and doing exercises such as bicep curls, inclined chest presses, and deadlifts. You can even add resistance training to your current exercise routine by using weight machines at the gym or by incorporating additional weight training equipment such as weighted bars, resistant bands, and kettlebells. So then it lists these benefits. It says the benefits of resistance training are mainly research, research shows that they include... Oh, I'm sorry. The benefits of resistance training are many. Research shows that the benefits include improved physical performance, better ability to control bodily movements, increased walking speeds, reduced belly fat, as I suck mine in, also known as visceral fat, enhanced brain function, and higher self-esteem. Do you mean that resistance is a good thing for me? Sounds like it. We uh, When we were in the barn, we did... Um, a workout. Did we call it something particular? I don't remember. But we got together a couple days a week to do some resistance training. And I'll have to be honest, when I'm feeling the resistance, I'm not that highly motivated. So really, really, as a matter of fact, I had to have accountability. And I would say, hey, y'all, don't let me give in. I'm going to whine and complain a little bit. But don't let me stop because I really do want the benefits of what's going to take place if I do the workout. But I just don't like it in the minute, in the moment because the resistance hurts. Like when you're working out, it does not feel good. And your mind starts telling you that you just want to quit. Right? Ever been on a fast? How long does that take? Like 6 hours and you're like, "I'm done. I think I did not hear the Lord." I need to reconsider. <laughs> Are you releasing me? That's always my next question. (laughs) But resistance is good. Resistance is a good thing. It makes us stronger. Does it feel good in the moment? It absolutely does not. Do we want a quick escape and a way out of it? We do. But if resistance training is going to give me all of these benefits, just imagine what resistance in the kingdom can do for me as well. Okay, so if the kingdom is advancing, we should expect resistance. I think that's a good statement too. If it's advancing, we should expect resistance. The kingdom is advancing in this house. It's advancing in this region. We are seeing advancement and breakthrough in this house and in region. In the region. We're seeing it in individual lives and growth and the way things are changing. That means you are probably experiencing some sort of resistance. Anybody got an amen to that one? Right. But that means we don't give up, right? So Tuesday night when we were here for Praise and Presence, we were talking about some things going on in the kingdom. And I heard God say, don't take your eyes off me. Because just like when I'm working out, my eyes aren't on God. I'm on how bad my belly hurts and how sweaty I am and I don't like to sweat. And how I'd just rather be having a candy bar. (laughs) But I know that that's not where I should be and that I should be working out and doing some resistance training because that's good for me. So if he's telling us not to take our eyes off him, he said, don't look left or to the right, but keep your eyes on me. Because, see, that's what happens when I start working out. I start thinking about all these, about how miserable I am. And Brittany was leading it, and she'd make us do these wall sits for like 60 seconds. Do you know how long I whined when I was doing wall sits? 60 (laughs) seconds. The whole time. Did I want her to tell me I didn't have to do it anymore? No. I just had to deal with myself. Do you ever have to deal with yourself and tell yourself, hey, this is good for me. I may be miserable in this moment. But this is good for me, and I'm going to really appreciate it, even though when I sit on the toilet in the morning, I'm going to want to weep because my thighs are going to be killing me. Y'all need to work out more. (laughs) I'm not getting enough amens or head nods. So obviously y'all have not experienced it to the degree to which I have. Okay. We persist in the face of resistance. That's a good statement right there. We don't back up in the face of resistance. We don't step back when resistance comes our way. We persist in the face of resistance. We persist to move forward. As we advance the kingdom and begin to take new territory in our personal lives and in the region, we should keep our eyes open for resistance. We should absolutely expect resistance. As we persist, we will continue to see breakthroughs in the the spirit manifest in the natural. As we continue to persist against the resistance, we will continue to see breakthrough in the spirit and in the natural. We will. If you don't persist and you uh, back up when that resistance comes, then you're not going to see breakthrough. Because that's not the way it works. If, if something is pushing against me and I'm not pushing back, I'm going to end up on the floor. That's just some kind of law of something probably. <laughs> Equal and opposite something something. <laughs> so um, Tuesday night alone, Wade was talking about, we had we had a couple of deliverances Tuesday night. We came in, and we, we've talked a lot about revival today. We've talked about revival is here, it's now, it's, it happens in us. Re, revival, the, the root of that is revive. That's us being revived in the spirit. And then he releases himself through revival to those that are around us and that we come in contact with. And so um, Tuesday night, we had um, we entered into a time of worship, Praise and Presence, because that's what we do on Tuesdays. And towards the end of that, we ended up having the opportunity to pray for a few people. Because one of the things that came out is that there's this, um, there's this spirit of fear that would try to overtake us. And that's what we were talking about, is fear is crippling. And it will keep you from persisting it will cause you to not move because fear is an ugly beast. And so uh, we, we were uh, sharing um, from a, a prophet that had released a word. Also, Tori had released a word saying that she had also seen this um, fear that wants to spread across the nation. But we can resist. We can push back on that fear. We can push back the darkness. That's what we're created to do. That's what God has given us the power and the authority to do. So that's what we did Tuesday night, is that we pushed back the darkness and the lie of the enemy. We began to pray for people that were there that maybe were dealing with the spirit of fear. Because if fear is left to its own devices, it will cripple you, it will affect your health, it will take your mental state. And a pastor friend of mine would say you'd be broke, busted, and disgusted. And that's not the way he designed us to live. And so anyway, we prayed for um, breakthrough in, in those situations. And we got there. We got there. But there was resistance. There was resistance. We could have just given up and walked away. But we persisted. And we pressed through the darkness. We pushed back the darkness. And we persisted. Remember this. Resistance can take place closer to home than you may imagine. The accuser does not play fair. He, he plays dirty, and he's a bully, and there's nothing good in him. And he will bully you as long as you let him bully you. He just will. If he knows what he can say or he can do to begin to make you um, step back and not push back the darkness... He will do it because that's the way he plays. He does not play fair. And we have to recognize his assignment and his ploy so that when we begin to feel the resistance, we realize that it's still difficult. It's still hard to choose to press against the resistance. I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but we've been given all power and all authority as well. And we've been given keys and understanding to things like fear, and we know how to speak to the darkness and tell it to flee, right? And we continue to persist in the resistance. So as I was looking through scripture, I found this uh, story, well, God led me to the book of Nehemiah. I've not ever preached a message out of Nehemiah, but I want to show you how the accuser t- tried to stop the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Jerusalem which is the promised land of the Jews, who had already been in captivity of Babylon. You know, three times they were in captivity. (laughs) But here they were making their way back to Babylon. For all of you Bible scholars and teachers in the room, here's a little tidbit uh, of teacher knowledge. So y'all get ready to write it down. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah were actually um, supposed to be Books that were together, they were never supposed to be separate. So when you read those two books of the Bible, you should read them in conjunction with each other. In our modern-day Bible, they are separate books of the Bible, but it's actually one full story or journal. Okay, so so Ezra, well, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah both were charged with rebuilding Jerusalem. They did this in three phases. Zerubbabel was first and he returned to establish an altar in the temple in Jerusalem and the, so that the foundation could be set. Set there. I'm just laying some groundwork here so we know where we're going, okay? Second, Ezra leads the charge to establish living in the city creating families and purifying the Jews. That was his assignment was to go because, uh, because that's what God had told them. And anything outside of the Jews to, uh, to the Jewish community, uh, that was considered impure. So, he, so to them, that was removing the sin, removing the sin from the community. And so that needed to take place. And they needed to begin to create life. They needed to start reproducing. They needed to start reproducing and multiplying so that they could build the tribe. Okay, number three is Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes in and he is uh, charged with rebuilding the walls of the city. Now, if you read Ezra, you're gonna find out that this same cycle takes place in the book of Ezra that takes place in the book of Nehemiah. So Ezra also experienced resistance in trying to establish the city. So just so you know, if you read them together, you will see that there's a pattern that kind of reciprocates itself. It just reproduces over and over. So Nehemiah begins to build the walls of the city, and this is quite important because if the walls are weak, the enemy can attack us easier, right? A fortified city is a walled city. There are walls, and they're, they're tough, and they're big. People lived in the walls. That's the kind of walls we're talking about here. These are not like little walls. These are walls that people could live in. They could ride chariots across them. They're big walls big. And so it's really important. So as work began to rebuild the walls, so did the resistance. And in Nehemiah chapter four, I'm going to call this the resistance. Any any Star Wars fans out there, the rise of the resistance? (laughs) Anyway, so Um, Nathaniel's going to pull the verses up. I'm not going to read all the verses word for word, but you can read them as I talk to you about some of these uh, verses in in Nehemiah 4. So in verse 4, it does say this, but but it so happened, which is a continuation from chapter 3, when Sanballat, who was a Samaritan leader, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. First sign of resistance. What does it mean to be mocked? It means to be ridiculed or made fun of. And this is what the resistance looked like for the Jews. In verse 2, it goes on to say that he actually called them feeble and poor for some of the things. So he would made fun of them. And then it goes on to say it, 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 that he insulted their obedience and their faith in verse 2. He made fun of them saying, you're God kind of things. Anybody ever said that to you when you've shared with them about God? They'll say, oh, well, your God does awful things to people. And why would I want to follow a God that does those things? Kind of throws it back up in your face. That's resistance. That's when we get to say, my God is good. And he is faithful and he is just. And you don't know him. Or you wouldn't say that about him. <laughs> so follow me to Jesus. <laughs> so it will also, this this kind of resistance will cause you to question your faith. And it'll be those people that want to call you a radical Christian. Or, oh, that's a little too too much for me. Do you really need to do all that? Is all that really necessary? Yeah, it sure is. It sure is for me to walk with God the way I need to. I need to build my faith muscles. I need to build my worship muscles. I need to build my relationship muscles. And I should expect there to be resistance in that. He goes on to say in verse 2, telling them nothing will come of their efforts. Has anybody ever said that to you? Nothing's going to come of this. You just keep on trying. You just keep on witnessing to people. Nothing. There's not going to be any fruit to that. You might as well just give up. Because they're never going to come back. They're going to be lost forever. Because the enemy, the accuser, wants us to stop. When we decide we're going to pray for the prodigals, which we have a mandate to do on this house, and we're looking for all of our loved ones to come in, then all of a sudden they all start acting crazy. Like more crazy than normal. We're like, what in the world? I'm praying for them to come in. They should be acting better. But it's that resistance. See, when we're not praying and we're not pressing, then there's nothing to fight. There's no reason to fight. But when we begin to do that, we begin to try to move heaven in a direction, then the accuser takes notice. And the enemy wants to rise up and cause resistance. And we have to push back the darkness. We have to continue to persist. It's not, that resistance should not cause you to quit. It should fire you and fuel you with passion to pray harder and to do the things that he's asking you to do. And that even when we can't see it with our own eyes, we have to remember that God is moving. Verse 3. He says, they say, that stone wall could collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. So remember, this is a wall wide enough for a chariot to cross. And now all of a sudden, they're like, that wall is worth nothing. It's not even worth the stone that it's built out of. What are you even trying to do? And they just kept building. And they just kept building. And they just kept building. Verse 7, when the other tribes heard the, pro- the progress was being made, it made them furious, furious. Jealousy set in, anger sets in. They made plans to cause confusion. But it says, but Nehemiah took action. He didn't just take that and cry and whine about it. He didn't just let himself grow weak in the moment. He took action. It says that he prayed. He said, my God, my God will take care of this. He put guards in place 24 hours a day to stand guard on the wall and around the wall. He took action. He didn't give in to what the enemy was trying to say. If you go down to verse 10 and 11, I mean, that was enough, right? I mean, that's enough resistance, right? We just get to pick when we've had enough resistance. Like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) Thank you, though. I don't want any more of that. No, that's not the way it works unless you back up. Unless you back up. And we're not going to do that. We have a declaration that the whole house is going to be filled, And so we believe that the whole house is going to be filled. So I'm fighting for you. I just need you to fight too. I just need you to persist to resist. Verse 10 and 11. So as this happens, because we do all get fatigued, some of the people working on the wall became fatigued. And that was just what the enemy needed to try again with threats and intimidation. And he likes to intimidate us. I think that's one of his uh, dirtiest tricks, really, to intimidate. Just like this morning, we were like, let's move. Everybody move. And we're like, oh, no. He's like, you're going to look ridiculous. People are going to laugh at you. I'm not saying that anyone in this room would ever deal with anything like that. Becky, don't get down on that floor again. People are going to be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that again? You look ridiculous when you're up there rocking back and forth. They probably think that you're possessed or something. You know? And I have to tell him to shut up. You're not going to intimidate me, and you're not going to bully me. It's my worship, and I'll worship my father how I please. So step off. But he will try that. He likes to get in our ear. So then in verse 11, it says, we're coming to destroy you from all sides. It says, all sides, we're coming to destroy you. He wants to use fear. He likes to use fear. But here's the the ammo, and these are a few scriptures I would like for you to write down when fear tries to rise up within you. A few scriptures I want you to remember. You're probably familiar with most of them. Second Timothy 1:7: "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He will tell you you are crazy. He will. If you don't tell him to step back, if you don't push against it, he'll set up in your mind that you're full of fear and that you're going crazy. But this tells me that I am full of power and I am full of love because the Holy Spirit resides in me and that I am of a sound mind. And so when fear wants to come against me, I begin to quote that scripture over myself. I begin to take it like I would a Tylenol when my body hurts from working out or not working out too hard. John 14, 27. Jesus said, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Be courageous. Don't yield to fear. Don't do it. And when we feel weak, ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll hold off there. Okay, 1 John 4, 18. Here's one more. There's three, three of these. And there are many, many scriptures that talk against fear in the Bible, so you shouldn't have any trouble finding some to encourage yourself in the Lord. And the word is life, it's living. And so putting the word in in moments where you feel resistance is a great tool to use in your arsenal. First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So we need to ask, we need to ask and receive, like Jesus has already given it. He is perfect. He is the perfect love. That is him. We need to let him come in and be that perfect love in our life so that we're not able to be tormented by fear. In verse 13, it says, Nehemiah reinforced the weakest areas to make sure the enemy couldn't have his way. And I believe that we need to ask God, what are the weakest areas in our own life? What are those areas that we know the enemy likes to attack? And if you begin to watch the way his cycle, the way he attacks in your life, you're going to begin to see that there are particular areas that he likes to attack in. Almost every time. Almost every time could be your family, it might be your health, it could be your finances, could be your mental stability, your job. What are the ways that he likes to attack? And if you begin to notice those areas just like it says, just like Nehemiah did, reinforce those areas. Don't allow that to be the thing. Next time it pops up, Give it a little bit of resistance. It's given you some. Press back on it. Push back the darkness on that thing. So the people were armed and equipped to resist the plan of the enemy, as we should be. So what does it say in Ephesians 6? Anybody know where I'm going? Let's talk about the full armor of God. And this is what it says. Finally, my brethren, this is in the New King James Version, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in what? The Lord and in his might. Yeah, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. How much of the armor? All of it, not a little bit. Not a little bit, all of it. And that is, Uh, And that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If I'm standing against, I am putting up now resistance. Who's resisting? I'm resisting the plan of the enemy. No longer is he pressing against me, but I'm pushing him back. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of witnesses in the heavenly places, in the spirit, in the spirit realm. Your battle is not with your neighbor. It's not with your wife. It's not with your kids. It's not with your husband. It's not with your sister. It's not with your brother. It's not with your doctor. It's not with your boss. But there's a principality at work. Does it want us to turn our eyes onto those people and those individuals and be angry about or with or fight against them? Absolutely, because discord and disunity, you cannot walk in unity if you're walking in disunity. Those are opposite. And he comes to cause disunity. But my battle is not with you. It's with principalities of the dark world. And I need to speak to what it is and not allow it to become something that causes me to be upset. If I'm upset with you, I need to check myself. And so I liked the rest of this in the Passion Translation just because it's worded well. Put on the full armor of God. In Ephesians uh, 6, verse 13, it says, Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. So we're protected. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Already, we're going to rise victorious. Let's not get lost in the resistance. Don't get lost in the resistance. Don't get lost. Don't get lost. Put on truth as a belt of strength, a strength. belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wrap around shield. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. That's good. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Did you hear that? Let me just read it again. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Because he likes to work in our mind. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God, which is the Bible. Pray passionately in the spirit. In the spirit. says it very clearly there. As you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times, pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. And if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can take care of that too. Verse 14, back to Nehemiah, he says, Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Remember what? The Lord is great and glorious. And... Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. We fight for each other. We fight for each other. I have a picture. I'm going to read verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. God had frustrated them he realized who his source was and that God was the one fighting the battle. But he was doing his part to be well prepared like we should be to put on the full armor of God, right? So when we're faced with fear, we have a choice to make. When we're faced with the intimidator, we have a choice to make. So last year, um, about, about a year ago, we, our leadership took a trip out to Five Pines and I want Nathaniel to pull up a picture for me. That that rock wall was intimidating. I don't really like heights, if I'm honest. But that's Katie up on the top of that rock wall. I was so proud of her last year because I knew she had fear. And she didn't want to go all the way up there. But she, she didn't even look at us. She had made up her mind. She was the first one up that wall. She walked right over there, strapped on that that harness, and took off up that wall. She didn't look back one time at us. She didn't give a moment for for her to buy into the ploy of the enemy, to bully her and intimidate her. Was she afraid going up that wall? I'm going to say she probably was. (laughs) But look what you did, Katie. And we're all standing down there going, It was amazing. That's us. We can decide. There were several of us that weren't too excited about that rock wall. We overcame some fear to get up there. But it's in those moments of resistance. Who are you gonna be? Who are you gonna be? And every time it's like we're facing that rock wall. And the really awesome thing about that is that there were these bay layers right there were these bay layers at the bottom it's kind of like God you know and he's down there he's like I got you you just keep climbing I've got you you don't need to worry about it if you start to fall I'll be right there and there was that confidence and sometimes you would feel so weak like your legs were shaking and your arms were like I don't know if I can grab a hold of another one and all of a sudden you'd feel this little lift and that bay layer would pull on that rope just a little bit more. It's just enough to keep me going. Just enough to keep me going. And that's the way God is, right? That's the way. He just gives us that little lift when we need it. He's like, I'm right here. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you fall. So we need to stay sober and vigilant. In 1 Peter 5.8, this is what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He only becomes a threat to us when we take our eyes off of God and his plan. He can do his thing. He can try to poke and prod and do whatever it is that he wants to do. But if we're sober and vigilant, if we keep our eyes focused on the Father, then he's going to carry us through. But it's when we take our eyes off, just like Katie going up that rock wall, probably all it would have taken. I didn't make it as far up that wall as she did. I didn't make it as far. But I made it farther than I ever have. But just like that rock wall, if you begin to turn around and look back, or if you begin to look at how high up you really are, don't look down. Keep your eyes on the Father. Keep your eyes on the Father. So Nehemiah recognized that it wasn't time to let down his guard. He used wisdom to put measures in place to keep them safe. So it wasn't only when the attack, when there was a threat of an attack, But he went ahead and put things in place so that if there were to come another attack, then they would be prepared for that. And we have to do the same thing in our life. Sometimes what happens is after we've gone through a battle, we've gone through some resistance, we kind of like, you know, we just, we don't do the things we know to do. And then before we know it, then there's another attack. But we have to set up routines and we have to set up discipline in our life and relationship in our life so that it carries us through. Because it's not if resistance is going to come, it's just when. When? It's just when. And so verse 16 through 23, and this is the, I think I'm getting close to the end of Nehemiah. It says, but from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. So the leaders were there to protect the people who were building the wall the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding their weapon i think that's significant we got to be about the father's business but we always got to have one hand on him at the same time all the builders had a sword belted to their side the trumpeter trumpeteer stayed with me to sound the alarm so that they would know it was coming they would know if the enemy came close Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset and half the men were always on guard. I always told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem that way they and their servants could help with, uh, with guard duty at night and work during the day. It took the whole community. It took the whole community working together to keep the community, the tribe safe. And we have a responsibility to do that for each other. And when we notice one of our brothers or sis- our sisters are, are taking on too much resistance, we need to come alongside them and reinforce those walls and help them along. Verse 23, during this time, none of us, not I, nor relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were there with me ever took our clothes off. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. And what they're saying there is that they never let their guard down. They never let their guard down. As New Testament believers, that looks a little bit different. This is a physical battle that they were experiencing right here, but we experience it Uh, battle in the spirit but it's the same thing if we'll keep our clothes on if we'll keep our armor on then we'll be ready to fight against the spirits that want to come against us the accuser the intimidator i just had to bring this up because i thought this was very interesting because there's actually an example in scripture of how jesus handled resistance and if you look in luke chapter 4 Verse 1 and 2, this is when Jesus is in the wilderness. And he's uh, praying for 40 days and fasting. And it says, while he was in the wilderness, this is where he was tempted by the accuser. And so it says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he was filled with the Spirit. He was armed and ready. He went into the wilderness armed and ready because he was led into the wilderness by the spirit, not by the enemy. He was led there by the spirit. God was calling him there to spend this time. And now he's going to be tempted for 40 days by the devil. And it says after 40 days, he was very hungry. Could you imagine? Of course, he'd be hungry. So we cannot feel like because we're um, receiving resistance that somehow we've missed God. Because in all likelihood, if we are experiencing resistance, we're probably following God. Just like Jesus, he was filled with the Spirit. He was led there by the Spirit. God led him there. Okay, so here's a couple of points. When you feel resistance, number one, recognize it. Recognize what capacity it is and what situation you're feeling the resistance. Because if we can put a name to it and we can realize that it's happening, then we can learn how to push back against it. And then number two is the pushback part. Act on the resistance. Don't draw back. Don't draw back. Act on on it. Persist to resist. How can you do that? I'm going to give you just a couple, actually six, just a couple of ideas of how you can push back the darkness. You can pray. You can praise. You can find promises in the word of God. You can make a step forward. Make a step forward. When the Israelites were standing at the Red Sea, they could have looked at that Red Sea and thought, well, we're going to die right here, folks. This is it. This is the end. This is the end for us. But that's not what they did. That Red Sea, I'm sure, looked like resistance. They knew that the Egyptians were coming for them, that they were not far behind, They had resistance on all sides. It took the faith of Moses to make a move. He had to make a move. And then watch God, like Nehemiah said, watch God fight for us. Return to the promises that God has already spoke to you. If he's already given you a promise and you're experiencing resistance in that area, then go back to the promise. That's why it's so important that we set up stones of remembrance. Moments in our life where God was faithful to us. Where you and he walked through a really difficult time and he showed himself good. I've got them in my own life. Set those moments up and go back when the enemy's telling you, what, why? Why are you even following God? You have you have nothing to show for it. Then you go back to the promises and you say, "Oh yes, I do." Oh yes, I do. And the last one is ask for prayer. Ask for prayer. I think that's one of the keys of Nehemiah. That part of that passage is that they worked together. And if we want to see this full, this whole house filled, then we have to work together. We've got to look out for each other. And when I see you facing resistance, I need to lift you up before the Lord. I need to come alongside of you. And you need to not be intimidated or afraid to come and share that I'm experiencing some resistance and I could really use some prayer. So will you stand with me? we want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.